I'll tell you right up front, I'm, I'm not a preacher. So today I'm just here to share my heart. Um, thanks, Mike. I think that last worship song really predicts it, where we're at. And my, my topic this morning is power in the church through unity in Christ. And I'd just like to pray before we start and uh, just ask God to come and help me deliver what is on my heart. Father, I just pray this morning. Lord, you use mere men and weak vessels. And Father, this morning I pray that you would have your way. Lord, the, the words that come, I pray they'll be yours. Silence the prompting of my heart and let it be you, I pray. I ask that in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. <clears throat> Paul asked me quite a while ago to, if I'd be prepared to share. It's been probably 16 years, I think, before since I've stood behind a pulpit. I used to, um, well, a long time ago now, seems, be a youth pastor and I was on the, the circuit in a, in a, Methodist Presbyterian Combined Church in New Zealand, and I had very similar three services some Sundays. So when Paul asked me, I, I said I would. And as I began to pray, um, it, my heart was stirred, and my title, Power in the Church for Unity in Christ, really stirred my heart for our congregation, our church, our town. And I want to read from Romans 12. Verse 1, and I think it's just about all the way through. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's good and perfect will is. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so it is in Christ that we who are many form one body. And each member has different gifts according to the grace that's given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, then let him prophesy in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, then let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him do it with a contribution. Let him do it, sorry. (laughs) If it is contributing to the needs of others, then let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good and be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with God's people who are in need. And practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. 
as I began to read through that passage, the whole concept of unity began to break down to families, the people I work with, my businesses. And I believe unity in our families, in our church family, our families, our businesses, our homes, is, is, is what God's desire is, but sometimes not the case. And as I began to look at it, I began to look at, take it from our church family, my immediate family to our church, to our community, to outside the world. And as you look around the world today, all of the troubles, the wars, the divorces, and as I began to pray, I started to realize that almost without exception, in every case, it's a breakdown in relationship. So as I began to pray, I said, God, it sounds simple. That if we can be good relators, we can be part of God's answer, not part of God's problem. And so the whole connection of relationship became a really critical thing. And I started to look at my own family, my sons, my, my daughter. And it becomes really interesting because even this in the last couple of weeks, my daughter got engaged and a young man walks into my life. And there was a reaction from me to this young man because this is my daughter. I think it's a natural reaction. <laughs> but I had to learn to relate on a new level. And as I looked at relating and unity and, and God moving through people in unity, families, churches, businesses, I began to realize that as we start to cover each other, as we start to pray for each other, if you look around this room, there's nobody in this room that looks the same. Everybody's different. You have different personalities. You have different strengths. We have different weaknesses. If you don't believe me, you can ask my wife. After 30, shucks, how many is it? Eight. 28, actually. 28 years of marriage, Tina knows my faults and my weaknesses. You know what's a beautiful thing? Is she covers me in the areas where I'm weak. And as a body, I think that's what God intends us to do, to be able to cover each other. Some of the leadership... And our church needs support. Are they perfect? No. Are they always right? Absolutely not. I know one part of the word it says that he is without fault stand up and throw the first stone. God's calling our church to be a lighthouse in this community. God's calling us as families to be a lighthouse to our friends and families around us. There's a quick story I want to read out of Samuel which is it always excites me. It's just a story about two men. But it's a story about where two men united, committed to each other, and committed to God saw a supernatural move. And I'm talking about Jonathan and his armor bearer. They set the scene a little bit. They're at, they're at war with the Philistine army. The Israelis camped, and the Philistines are up on this hill. And when I read it, it says there's a, there's a steep, um, cliff on each side. And Jonathan obviously knew God because he says to his armor bearer, Jonathan says to his armor bearer, come and let us go out to the outpost of these uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving whether by many or by few. And his armor bearer says, do all that you have in mind Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. And that jumped out the page on me. 
I am with you, heart and soul. The story has a very powerful ending. Jonathan and his armor bearer go out and Jonathan puts out a little bit of a fleece and he says, if we go out and they say, come up here, then we'll go up. If they don't, we won't. He goes out and the Philistine army guys called down to him and said, come on up, you guys, we'll teach you a lesson. Now, I don't know how you'd feel, but there's just two guys and there's a whole army at the top of a cliff. And I began to just ponder. Jonathan says to his armor bearer, climb up after me using your hands and your feet. So they didn't have, they weren't armed, they climbed up using their hands and their feet. And here's the kicker. They get to the top of the hill and something supernatural happens. Jonathan takes out 20 men in the first 200 yards and his armor bearer behind him. Saul looks across from the valley and sees the Philistine army melting away like wax. What happened? It was just two guys. They trusted God and he was committed to them, heart and soul. Do what you have in your mind. I'm with you, heart and soul. And my wife and my family, when we go to do something and we're together, heart and soul, we've seen some incredible miracles. Incredible miracles. I'm going to share one of those with you today because um, this story that I've just read impacted me to the point it reminded me of a time in my life, the first time that I saw God move in a really powerful way within a small youth group, those 10 kids. And the first time I was there as assistant pastor, I'll never forget, they, they sit me in and I walked in and there was a group of kids there and my first message was, if you want to know God, stick around and if you don't, you might as well leave. And they all left, except for one. And there was one left and I said to him, why, do you, why didn't you leave? He said, well, I'm the pastor's kid, I had to stay. So that was what kind of speaker I was. So, so the, the interesting part with the youth group was we began to, we, we grew on each other. After about six months, I read them this chapter in Romans about relationship because I noticed, well, I don't like that kid over there. He's got red hair. I don't like this kid here. He's too skinny. You know what kids are like. They're kind of crazy with some stuff. I began to challenge him. Look, guys, this is what God said. He made us all as part of the body. We're all part of each other. We just have to appreciate each other. And as we begin to share in that, we began to pray together. As we began to pray together, that group started to grow. And I noticed they started to care for each other. One kid came to me and said, look, hey, this guy, they haven't got much money. I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him a pair of my running shoes because I've got three pairs. And they started to share on the level that I hadn't seen kids share on. And I noticed as they started to pray, the group started to grow. Now we've got 40 kids coming and a lot of them weren't Christians. And one night a young guy came up and he knelt down. His name was Jason. Gave his heart to the Lord. Didn't say too much. Was quite broken and knelt down. And it was it was a really special time. And then after that, Jason would ask me, can you please drop me off last? When you take me home, we we kind of a, a big old valiant back then. And I used to take a couple of trips and run all these kids home who didn't have a ride. And he would beg me, Steve, Steve please drop me off last. And one day I said to him, Jason, why do you always ask me to drop you off last? His head went down and he said to me, Steve, if I get home late enough, sometimes my dad's asleep and he won't beat me. My heart just broke, eh? I want to go give that father a shake. Here's this 14-year-old guy, young man, and he gets beat by his dad. 
rocked my heart. I went home, I talked to Tina, should we call the police, should we call social services? Jason begged me, please don't call the police or social services. And I was in a bit of a jam as a youth pastor, what do I do? So I prayed with them that night and we, I asked them after praying for a week, I said to them, can we share this with the core group of these youth? Can we just start to pray for your dad? And he agreed. So we, we gave it to this young group of kids who had worked through a lot of their relationships. Like, I'm not bragging about them, but they were amazing, man. They were caring for each other. They were caring for their families. I just really enjoyed being with them. And they began to pray for Jason's dad. And you know what it's like when you start to pray sometimes? You're, you're expecting God to move and everything's exciting. Well, he moved, all right. The next week, Willie, his dad, who I'd never met before, met me in the street. He was quite abrupt. He came up and he actually grabbed my shirt. And I'm thinking, whoa, what's going down? And he looks at me and he goes, are you Steve Cotton? And I go, yes. So you're the religious fanatic that's uh, been talking to my son. And I said, well, I don't think I'm a religious fanatic. And he was really angry. And he looked into me and his eyes were really dark. And he actually made me a little afraid. He was, he was a lumberjack. He was about six foot six, bigger than me across the shoulders. And he actually scared me a little bit. But what he said, the next words that came out of his mouth scared me even more. He said to me, Steve, I'm going to tell you one thing. You better pray that I do not meet you in a side street at night. Because he said, I will take you out. And I looked at him. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'll kill you. I had never had anybody say that to me before. And I'm just, I'm just a new youth pastor. I didn't even know how to speak properly, right? And the guy's going to take me out. So when I told this core group of kids, and they said, we're just going to pray. And I learned something, never underestimate when kids or a group of people that are unified begin to pray. Never underestimate what God can do. Three weeks it went by and we prayed and I dropped Jason off last. 11.30 one night I got a phone call. It's Jason's dad. And his words were, I want to see you and I want to see you right now. (laughs) Didn't sound good to me. So I rang a few of my friends and said, hey, listen, I might need a bit of backup. Can you come with me? And they said, oh, Steve, it's 11.30. I don't think so. You know, what? you're crazy, man. So I said to Tina, look, I'm really a little nervous about this. I said, can you give me 45 minutes an hour? And if I don't call you, can you call the police? And here's the address. I knew where he lived because I dropped him off every night. So I drove around there. And I'll tell you what, my... I didn't get out of the car like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I wasn't walking up there like I was a, a man of God and I had the word from him. I was, I was afraid for my life. Well, I didn't think he'd kill me, but I thought he might beat me a little bit, right? As I walked to the door, this big frame of man came. The door opens and he says, come in. As I walk in, I see that he's got tears running down his cheek. I'm thinking, well, that wasn't what I expected. He walks me into the kitchen and on the kitchen is an open Bible. And what happened next was nothing short of supernatural. I met this guy, talked to a few people after he threatened my life and said, Steve, he's a pretty violent guy. This man looks at me and he says, Steve, read this. And he puts his finger on his Bible and he starts, and I read it out and it said, Ephesians 5.3, For this you can be sure, that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. He looked up at me and he said, that man's me. I took a deep breath and he said, what do I do? I said, you just took the first step. You admitted that you're a sinner. 
Right there and then I prayed with him. And after we prayed, he said, where do I go now? I said, well, you've got to make right. I said, part of coming to Christ is putting all the rights. He said, oh, Steve, where do I start? I said, Willie, that's really between you and God. But I said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I said, Willie, what brought you to this place? The last time you met me, you said you were going to kill me. Tears rolled down his face and he said, I'm really ashamed to admit this. But he said, the last night you brought Jason home. He said, I don't know what was driving me, but I was angry. And I started to beat on that kid. And he said, as I walked away, he said, this voice came from Jason. Said, he said, Dad. He said, I look back and here's this kid that I'm supposed to love. And he looks up at me and he says, Dad, it doesn't matter. How many times you beat me? It doesn't change the fact that Jesus Christ loves you when he died for you. And I realized right there and then that God had touched this man's heart. What gave Jason the strength to say that? I only know that it could have been the Holy Spirit, the kids praying for him. When I saw that instance right there, my heart said, what? I went back, you should have seen the face of those young people when they heard what happened and they'd been praying. Talk about light of fire. They want to pray for everything and anything after that. The story doesn't end there. That next Sunday, I was supposed to, the, the youth group had grown to a point that we took half the youth group to a, a different church. And we're about 120 miles away, speaking in a different church. And I was so moved by what had happened in these young people praying, I was, I was sharing about it. I was sharing with passion because I was excited. I'd seen God touch a man without anybody preaching to him or talking to him. God came down and just touched his heart through his son. And uh, I was sharing in the service, and I was about three-quarters of the way through, and I looked up, and here's this huge frame of men standing at the back of the church. It was Willie. <clears throat> I continued finishing what I was saying, and Willie came up the front, and he said, Steve, can I have a word? And I'm thinking, shucks, I don't know if this is cool. <laughs> but I said, okay. And he turns to 120 people in that church that he didn't know, and he said, I'm the guy that beat his son. And he said, I'm ashamed. And he said, I was the man that bowed in my kitchen with Stephen, asked Jesus Christ into my life. And then he looked over and Jason was sitting there. He said, Jason, can you come up here? I'm going, here we go. <laughs> it's a bit emotional for me because you don't see this kind of thing every day. But he put his arms around his son and he hugged him and he asked forgiveness to his son right in front of all those people. And I saw God do a restoration that I pray I could see every day. I pray in churches I could see God restore families, sons to their fathers, fathers to their daughters. People in churches could walk in unity and see the release of the power of God. In church, you know, it just it blew me away. I was so excited. Jason came alive. Jason's life turned around us because now he could talk with his dad, he could pray with his dad. It was it was it was supernatural, just like Jonathan and David. It was unbelievable. And I guess my, my heart today is that we would follow that. We would take Romans seriously. Because God calls us to unity. He calls us to love each other. Corinthians 13, and the final 
part of Corinthians 13 here. Paul says, I'll show you the most excellent way. I won't read the whole love chapter because you know most of it, I'm sure. If I can find it. It talks in the beginning about parts of the body. And again, it reiterates what Romans said, that we're all gifted. We all have many gifts. And right then at the end of chapter 12, it says, And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of angels, men and angels, but I have not love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and have all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and it is kind. It is not envious and it does not boast. It is not proud and it is not rude. It is not self-seeking, nor is it easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. At the end of that passage, it says, Now there are three things remaining, hope, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. In our families, our churches, in our businesses, and where we work, the key to relationship, I believe, is right here. Two things, prayer and love. I've had some struggles through my years, and you can chat with Tina sometimes. We've had to work through some stuff, but she's always loved me. We've had our differences where I've had to say, honey, I don't want to talk about it. I need some time to think. But because she was committed to me and we were committed to Jesus Christ, we always worked it through. I believe our body has the power, just like that youth group when they prayed, impacted Jason's dad. This body has the ability through Jesus Christ and unity to impact this community, impact our friends, impact our employees. I remember one other section that really touched me with that youth group. They shared one night at a Rotary meeting, and I warned the Rotary president because they were a little bit wound up. And he said, oh, they'd, just, they'd gone to Fiji and they'd, they'd shared and, and done an, seen the miracles in Fiji. I just, I was blown away. We saw it rain. It hadn't rained for seven months and a 13-year-old girl prayed. And it rained right there in front of my eyes and my hair stood up on the back of my head and I almost felt like falling to my knees because I couldn't believe it. 13-year-old girl, nothing special. But that team went there with unity and there was a, it was a release of God that I'd never seen before. Nothing to do with the leader. I can tell you that right now. Just a simple guy, simple faith. But through the unity of those kids. But one morning when they came back, they shared at this rotary meeting. I think you guys have rotary here. The president asked me, I said, look, I'll just give you the heads up. They're pretty intense about where they're going, what they're going to share. And he said, oh, we're all, we're all big men. We can handle this. <clears throat> Three young people shared at a rotary meeting. When they finished, you heard a pin drop. One of the Rotarians stood up and he said, I'm ashamed I've never stood up in my community and said I'm a Christian or ever tried to be one in my job and my place. But when I've heard these young people share, I want to be like that. 
Next day was really interesting because I got a call from the bank manager. I thought, oh. So I went in, went, and he called me into his office. And I went into his office, and I sat down. And he said to me, Steve, um, what I heard last night, he said, I'm not a religious person. I've never been to church except for funerals and weddings. But he said, what I heard last night from those young people challenged me to my core. Took off his glasses, tears rolled down his face, and I'm thinking, what's going on? This is the bank manager. God cares about them all. My challenge to our church is, we have a bunch of great people here. God has gifted every one of you. We're a body, connected right throughout. My heart and my prayer today is, can we move as one? Can we pray the prayer of those who Father, make us one. Pray for your leadership. Every one of us would admit we're not perfect. We've made some decisions that may be not 100% correct. But can you pray for us? Can you stand with us? Can we move forward in this community? Because God can do mighty things if we can work with each other.